Bible to Galatians, the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians. We had, I'm going to have to be gone, I guess, more often. We had a great crowd last week, I hear, and a great crowd Wednesday. And uh, Pastor Brett came up with this marvelous idea, well, probably his wife did, but anyway, of serving, uh, of serving uh, meatball subs. So if you were at that lunch on Wednesday, you got meatball subs. That was exciting, man. All kinds of good things happened while I was away. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to try and finish up this study of the book of Galatians. It may go into next week, but we're going to try and finish it up as we uh, are there at verse 10. Uh, in verse 9, it was that uh, we are to, you know, to uh, not grow weary in well-doing, right? That concept of don't get so tired of doing the good things that God has called us to do that we would faint. Uh, so uh, we're supposed to be careful not to do that. But instead, here in verse 10, uh, we're going to focus on verse 10 and then try to get ourselves through the rest of the chapter tonight, but we'll see. As we therefore, in context of this thing of saying, don't grow weary in well-doing. Earlier it was, you know, you reap what you sow, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Earlier it was helping that, that uh, person who is in need there in chapter, in verse 1. And it goes through all of that and bearing our own burdens and bearing one another's burdens and all of those things. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Then right after he says that, he says this. And as ye therefore have therefore opportunity, let us do, what's the word? Good unto who? All men. When God says all men, what do you think he means? Oh, okay. You know, God's pretty basic. He really is. It always cracks me up when people try to, you know, say, well, you know, he didn't really mean all. You know, you're just supposed to do good to those who are... And he goes on to say, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. But the very fact that he adds that onto the end means that in the middle of this, he's literally talking about everyone, right? Not just Christians, but we are, as we are given opportunity to do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. Father, help us to grasp the meaning of this passage and the application of it. And then give us a desire to follow through with it, to allow you to use us to be your impact uh, on this world. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You remember a few years back, uh, we did our Light Shine series. You remember that? And we had a whole year where we, we actually looked for this opportunity. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Whether we like this concept or not, listen, I am fully aware that helping someone unload their groceries gets no one to heaven. Do you understand? I know that. I am fully aware that the Bible is about God's grace as a primary and not about the works of men. I know that. But the reality is the unsaved world sees the grace of God at, in reality at work when they see our good works. And so there is this huge emphasis on God's people to do good things. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, instruction, righteousness, right? That the man of God may be perfect, Mature, grown up, truly furnished, given everything he needs to do what? Unto all good works. 
That's exactly what it's all about, right? He's, he saved us and then gave us the scripture and the Holy Spirit of God to empower us to go out and represent him to the world. And the way we do that is the way we live our lives. Now, again, I know it's not about a social gospel. No one goes to heaven because you dug them a well, right? I, 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 it's a great idea to dig someone a well who needs water, right? That is a good, and that is a good work. That's not going to get them to heaven. But what it is going to do, it is going to get their attention. It is going to soften their hearts toward the grace of God, that men might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So back to verse 10 here, it says, listen to what it says, as we have therefore opportunity. Every chance we get, every opportunity that God gives us to do something good in representation of him. Here's, by the way, how basic God makes it. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, it's as if you have given it to God himself, right? To the Savior himself. I mean, this is how simple he makes this. He, he really wants us to represent the love of Christ, which is, you know, the great, the great representation of the love of Christ is in Philippians chapter 2, right? Christ took upon himself the form of a servant. And then, keep following that in Philippians chapter 2, became obedient even unto the death of the cross. I mean, that's the ultimate of service is that great self-sacrifice. And so every time God gives us an opportunity, every time God opens a door, when he gives us the opportunity, you and I are to do good works unto all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, again, we're back to, you know, we just kind of beat this COVID horse to death, I guess, but the truth is God has flung the doors open for opportunity in this situation. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, from the beginning, when people were not getting out at all, we had a chance to go pick up groceries and deliver them, and we had a chance to, you know, do those kinds of things. And, and now we still have all those, all those opportunities are out there. God just flung the door open for opportunities for God's people to step through that door and to show forth the good work that he would have us to do. So let me, uh, let me give you then some ideas of good work. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to really focus a lot on Romans chapter 12 today because it's a basic, simple place to go to and look at what the good works of, of Christ look like. Now, again, we're not talking about getting people to heaven, and we're not talking about our church becoming a, a power of the social gospel. There is no such thing as a social gospel. Do you understand? A gospel is that which saves people from destruction, and if we just turn society around, we've done nothing for them. If all we do is feed someone who's hungry, we've done nothing for them, Without the gospel, the true gospel, right? Without the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate. But we open the door of someone's heart when they see us living out the character of Christ in our lives. So as we're given opportunity, we do good works. Romans chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 9. We're going to just kind of walk ourselves through Romans chapter 12. And I want you to see 
what it is that God would, would show forth as this good works lifestyle of the Christian. Let love be without dissimulation. What is dissimulation, somebody? Hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. We're not supposed to pretend to love somebody. Have you ever known somebody like that? They're gushy and you can't stand it. You know, They're all gushy and they, they make it sound like that you're the greatest person on the planet. They love you, they love you, they love you until they stab you in the back. And it's like, uh, no, no, we're not. you and I, in this good work mentality, as we're given an opportunity to show the love of Christ, are not to do so hypocritically. Now, hypocritically would look like this. Uh, Jesus said to the Pharisees that when they pray, what should they do? They should go to a closet and pray privately rather than praying in order to be seen of men. Prayer is a wonderful thing. It's a good work. But to do so hypocritically, to be, to be seen of men so that men would say, oh, look at that wonderful person over there praying, Jesus is really clear about this. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. That's it. Once men say, aren't you a good person? That's, that's the most you can get from that. Because your prayers have meant nothing. God's not listening to them. Uh, the, the Bible's very clear about that. If we guard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. Uh, and so, it, it's not, so what you got was the applause of men. Glad you got it. There you go. That's what you're after. You got it. That's your reward. And that's that hypocritical side, right? Uh, Jesus you know, says the same thing about our giving. If we make our, a display of our giving, of giving of alms, and so that we can be seen of men, oh, look what I... And that's why I, I am, I'm, I'm weird about this. You know, um, we don't put names on bricks. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's sinful or wicked. It's just not something we do. Because in the end... We're not trying to make sure that we're remembered, right? Whether or not people ever remember the name of John Ray means nothing. But if they remember the name of Jesus Christ, that means everything. And so, you know, we're just not, you know, we don't have, you know, the John Ray Pavilion and the this Pavilion. We, we just don't. We're, we're not, not, and again, I'm not, I know that there, it happens all the time. It happens in ministries and I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying if you do this to be seen of men, once you've done it, that's what you got. That's it. That's your reward. You're looking at your reward. But we ought to be living for higher things than that, right? We set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And so, you know, we're called upon to do these good works. So love without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. He's going to show us, this is what this good work looks like. Now, Hear me out, this is a really tough one, especially independent fundamental Baptists, we're bad about this. We sometimes, in the name of abhorring, hating that which is evil, we come across as if we hate the person doing the evil, right? And that's, a, that's not a good situation. This is not going to work in the scenario that's being played out in these passages, which is telling us to do good works so that men might see our good works and glorify their Father which is in heaven. How is that going to happen? And so we want to be careful. Yes, we want to preach and preach hard against sin. It is wrong to kill babies. But if you've had an abortion, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to tell you about a God who will forgive you and show you how you can take that experience and use it to help someone else and bring glory to the Lord. You know, if, 
God hates, the, the Bible literally says that he hates putting away or divorce. But if you're divorced, what are you supposed to do? Well, you, what you're supposed to do is trust a God who's gracious enough to turn your divorce into something that brings glory to his name. That's what you do. You know, so we're not here to beat up the person. We'll stand strong on what the scripture says, but we want to be careful to not hate the person. Those people out there living the lifestyles that we hate are not the problem. Sin is the problem. Let's hate the sin and let's love the sinner. Jesus exemplifies that when he's eating dinner with the sinners and the Pharisees are all about giving Jesus grief because how dare he eat with such wicked, ungodly people? Well, would you tell me, please, who is Jesus going to eat with if he's not eating with wicked, ungodly people? Right? Who's it going to be? Because that's the point. We're all there. And so Jesus was loving them. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Take the good things and bring them into your life and make them a part. This is, remember our illustration of that which is unquestionably wrong and that which is unquestionably right and the gray side and we should go toward those things which are unquestionably right. Find the good stuff and bring it into your life and hold on to it. That's a good work. And men will see that good work and will glorify the Father which is in heaven. And every opportunity we're given, that's what we're supposed to do. Go on to the next verse. Uh, in, in Romans still, uh, verse 10. It says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Wow. Do you remember the uh, old, uh, got to be careful how you say this, the old Chip and Dale um, comics or cartoons? Remember them? So they were, they, here's what they were. For those of you who don't remember them, they, were they gophers? What were they? Chipmunks, chipmunks, what are you, I guess, Chippendale, there you go. So they were chipmunks. Anyway, and so here's what they would do. After you, oh no, after you, oh no, after you, oh no, after you, oh no, after you, oh no. And they would, that was like the, you know, then the cartoon's over. I mean, it was, it was almost like that. It was just about like, it was, the whole thing is like these two, these two very, very polite, uh, you know, brothers who just are constantly in honor preferring one another. Now, okay, that's going a little bit over the top, right? I understand that. At some point, somebody needs to go ahead and walk through the door. But, uh, and what would invariably happen is that they both say, okay, thank you, and they try to walk through the door at the same time, and they'd bump into each other, and ha, 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 that was the laugh. But uh, you and I are supposed to live our lives this way. We are supposed to be kindly affectioned one to another. We're supposed to be toward one another in brotherly love. We're supposed to, in honor, prefer or put the other person the other person's wants, desires, thoughts, feelings ahead of our own. Literally. It's, it's this lifestyle. When the world sees God's people living out these kinds of good works, the world is drawn. You remember the verse that says in John chapter 3, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. Right? All men into me. You know how we lift up Jesus? Good works. That's how we lift up Jesus. When Jesus sees, or when, when, when unsaved people see Christians fighting, do you, know how, do you know how awful it is when Christians fight? This is why church splits are just, they're, they're of the devil. They are so wicked. They don't just hurt God's people. They hurt the testimony of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. This is an ugly thing when Christians fight. 
Christians ought to have this kind of good work in our lives and honor, preferring, well, I've got to hurry, I'm never going to get done. Let's go on to the next verse. Uh, not slothful in business. Somebody tell me what that means. Don't be lazy, work hard. I heard both those terms. That's exactly right. Don't be lazy and work hard. You know, you hear me say this all the time. I say it because it is absolutely true. It is so easy to be the best worker any place today. It just is easy. All you have to do is a couple things. Show up. That's always a good thing, right? Because anybody who's ever been a boss knows how difficult it is to get people just to show up. And then the second thing is to follow your pastor's mantra. Early is on time. On time is late. And late is... If you show up and show up early, I promise you, if you do that consistently, then when you go in and say... I need to get off next, uh, next week for, or two weeks from now because I'm going to go to camp. Your boss will say, okay, just tell me when you're going to get back. Because that kind of worker is hard to come by. They show up, and they show up on time. And then if you add to that not being slothful, while you're there, you actually work and you're not texting. You actually work and you're not FaceTiming, Facebooking, Fortniting. You know, while you're there, you're actually working. People who work, wow, it's amazing. It's like they've never seen this before. I'm telling you, honestly, the average company has never seen somebody who shows up, shows up on time, and works when they're there. You can write your own ticket. I mean, I'm telling you, honestly, you go in, you say, I can't work Wednesdays, I can't work Sundays, and I want off three weeks on the summer so I can go on vacation and go to camp. And they're going to say, okay. Because you are a rare commodity. That just doesn't happen nowadays. And what happens when you say, I want to go to church camp, or I want off on Wednesdays and Sundays so I can go to youth group and, and church, you are elevating, when you put that, couple that with this not solving business, you are elevating the Lord Jesus Christ in their eyes. And they're like, wow, you know what? I don't know what Jesus is all about, but if that's what Jesus does for people, maybe I should consider what Jesus could do for me. That's what happens. Men see our good works and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. Every opportunity we're given to be fervent in spirit. Now, help me here. Let's define these things. What does it mean to be fervent? Excited, on fire, and in spirit. Now, this in spirit concept really would carry two meanings in the scripture. One is literally just that as far as when it's talking about our spiritual life. To be fervent about this, right? I mean, honestly, folks, if church and Jesus means little to us, then the Jesus we present is going to mean little to the people we're presenting him to, right? If, if we aren't on fire, if, if, if we're not excited about what Christ is doing in us, then why in the world should they care about what Christ might do for them? That's one way. And then the other concept is this word spirit in the New Testament has to do with our attitude. And it's you know, literally saying that we reign in our attitude and we let our attitude be exemplary. So be fervent in spirit. And then this last thing, serving the Lord. Not the last thing, but the last thing in this verse. Serving the Lord. Keep going. I gotta, I'm going to run out of time, so just keep me working through this. Rejoicing. Let me say that again. Rejoicing. As opposed to what? Complaining. As opposed to what? Whining, as opposed to what? Murmuring. You get the idea, right? Don't be that sad, sad. 
You know, yeah, it's sunny now, but I heard it's going to rain for the next seven days. <sighs> you know, it's like, don't be Eeyore. Eeyore is fun to watch, but he's, he's horrible to live with. If you've ever been around an Eeyore, you know. Don't be that, right? So rejoicing in hope. And hope, what is, that, what is the definition of hope? Do you remember our Wednesday study? What is the definition of hope? Expectation. What are you expecting God to do for you this week? What do you expect God to do for you as you're living through your life this week? There's an expectation. We ought to rejoice in the expectation that he is never going to leave me nor forsake me. He is going to give me the, you know, he is my, what is the, the strength to do all things that we just sang about in that song. He's going to give me that strength. These, this is my expectation. I'm rejoicing in it. Patient in tribulation. You want, to, you want to see something that's going to really impact someone? When you go through tribulation, and it's not if, the Bible is very clear on this. The Bible doesn't say if. It almost 100% of the time, when it talks about us in tribulation, it says when. When you pass through the fire. When you walk through the water. You know, the fire will not, you will not be burned. You, you will not be overtaken. It's, it's a when statement. And when life slaps you upside the head, and if it hasn't already, it will. And if when that happens, you are able to portray a person who's willing to wait on the Lord and trust him. That's when you have an opportunity to shine forth the light of Jesus Christ in an unusual way. Every opportunity we're given to do a good work, we ought to. So when our, when, when our struggles come, when, the, when life's not going like we thought it might, when you get that bill you weren't expecting, or when you get that diagnosis you weren't hoping for, we have a chance to show forth Christ. Let's lift him up. Continuing, instant in prayer. Help me here again. I love, I, this, I love teaching scripture this way. because I don't have to do anything. I read the scripture, you tell me what it means. I really did nothing, right? So, okay, so what does it mean to continue instant in prayer? I want to really get to, because I, I, I don't disagree with the, the never quitting concept. I know that it says pray without ceasing, but let's just be honest. You're probably not praying right now because you're trying to pay attention, I'm hoping, or you're not paying attention, you have no idea what I'm saying. So it doesn't really matter, right? And you're probably not praying on your way home unless your dad's driving. But anyway, you, so um, you get the idea. So what does it mean to, to pray without ceasing? What does it mean to be instant in prayer? Say it again. Okay, an open-ended conversation with God. Anything else? Ready to go. An attitude of prayer. Listen, here's the idea. I, I, I always talk about it this way. Imagine for a moment that your friend, your best friend, your one of your children, I mean, in a split second, you're watching them stepping toward danger. Your two-year-old grandchild is tottering toward the highway, and you don't, aren't close enough to grab them. Do you want at that moment to be able to get hold of the throne of God in an instant? Or would you have to say, Lord, please forgive me for this and this and help me to get... Because if we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord does not hear us. Husbands, if we don't have a right relationship with our wives, read First Peter chapter 3. If we don't have a right relationship with our wives, our prayers are hindered. 
The idea of being instant in prayer is that we are living our lives out in such a fashion that at any moment we can pray and know that God will respond. Instant in prayer. And when we're living our lives out that way, then it elevates Christ in the good work that we're living out. Keep going. I've got to hurry up here. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. That means just what it says. Help people out when you can, right? We distribute to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Some people need to learn this one. Given to hospitality. Some of that hospitality is just real simple. It's like, you know, smile. That's just hospitable, right? If you want to keep people from talking to you, it's very easy. All you have to do is put that grimace on, stare forward, and dare anyone to interfere. You ever seen people like that? You ever seen people like that here? Like, and you're like, should I go and shake their hand or not? I don't know. You know, so you know what you can you know some simple things you can do, honestly, at work to elevate Jesus Christ is to put a smile on your face and be open to hospitality. Wow, it's good to see you today. You say, Pastor, you don't know who I work with. It's seldom ever good to see them. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, you may have to work on that one a little bit. I know, I know there are some people that are like that. I'm aware, right? Uh, but it ought not to be you and I, right? You and I ought not to be that one. So we ought to be given to hospitality, learning how to smile and be approachable. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. You know, I, again, you know, you know this. When I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me, first and foremost. I, I put myself on the line with this all the time. But I'm, you, you laugh at this because it's kind of funny, but I'm serious. I struggle with this driving issue that I brought up this morning. I do. I struggle not to get irritated and frustrated. And am I really blessing them and not cursing at that moment? I've got this, wait a minute, do you, have you ever seen somebody's facial expression as you're driving by and you know that they're not happy with you? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Or, or you know that they know that you're not happy with them. Right? And are we fulfilling this passage? Are we doing a good work that elevates Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world? Every opportunity we're given, we ought to do a good work. So the Bible says, keep going. It says, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. What would we call this? Empathy. We would call this empathy, right? Learning how, not sympathy, Empathy. Empathy is learning how to share the feelings that someone else is going through at that moment. Uh, sympathy says, I feel sorry for you, you know, but that, that can often be looked upon as looking down upon someone. I'm glad I'm not as bad off as you are. I feel sorry for you, right? And we would call that pity. And most people say, I don't need your pity. But if we can learn to empathize, if we can teach ourselves to put ourselves in their shoes for a moment. For years, I remember, I remember standing at this very pulpit. Jerry Savinsky was preaching a revival. Um, my mom had just died. Uh, she was in the hospital for months, and she had just died. This was back in 2007, I think it was. So June 19, 2007. And we were in revival with Jerry Savinsky. That was on a Tuesday. And so I came back on Wednesday, and I remember saying this. I have... I have helped many people work through this situation. 
but I'd never known it myself. I thought I was learning how to empathize, but honestly, until I was going through I'd never lost anyone in my family until that point. And until I went through it, I had no clue. And I was so unprepared to deal with that. And it changed my perspective. If we can ask God to help us to put ourselves in those people's position and empathize, even if it's we, rejoicing, sometimes it's rejoicing, right? Uh, if we can put us in the thrill of it, the, the joy of it, or the heartache of it, what happens is they see Jesus at work in our lives, and Jesus is lifted up, and when he is lifted up, all men are drawn unto him. What a joy it is to do that. Let's keep going. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in, thine, in your own conceits. A lot of things here, but you know, the idea of treating people as equals, being that same toward one another. Uh, this is a challenge. You know, um, one thing that we try to be careful here, I have no, we don't look at the offerings. I have no idea who gives what. I don't want to know. Because I don't want the temptation of treating somebody who gives a lot of money differently than somebody who doesn't give as much. You understand? Th that becomes a temptation. I literally got saved in a church where um, the pastor hired, I, you, you're, gonna, you're not going to believe me when I say this, but I'm telling you it's true. I know this person firsthand. In fact, I'm related to them. And a pastor hired an assistant pastor based on this. You will get a percentage of their tithe. That's how he was paid. Now, if you're given a percentage of the tithe of the people you bring into the church, who are you trying to bring in? You get the idea? And that's exactly why the, the, the pastor wanted the church to become one of those churches, you know, a church with power and influence. And this was, this was his answer. Let's hire somebody to go out and bring in people who are making big bucks. I mean, if, if I'm getting a portion of the tithe of everyone who I get to come to church, then the guy who's making $100 a week, I could care less about, right? Uh, I'm getting a portion of $10, okay? Well, there's my 10 cents. But the guy who's making $4,000 a week, all of a sudden, he's on my radar. Is that what Jesus would do? Not at all. We are to be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Let's keep finishing that here. Recompense to no man evil for evil. This is hard to do. It's hard not to get even, right? Uh, you know, the old saying is, I don't get mad, I get even. And it's hard not to take that statement to heart. And yet, if we want to elevate Jesus Christ, we want to do a good work, if we want to take every opportunity, when someone does something bad to us, the opportunity is not to recompense evil for evil. It's not to pay them back. And it's a hard thing to, to hold. And I'm not talking about the playful, you know, jokester things that people do and we can still love each other and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, you know, where it becomes a heart issue. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. The truth is, folks, we live in glass houses. We are children of the day, not of the night. That's what the Bible says. We are literally to allow... So for our church's perspective, it's like, 
I remember one time back years ago, the IRS and the church, you know, it was a big deal around, around Indianapolis, and people were asking, would you let the IRS come, and see, come in and see your books if they wanted to? Why not? What are, we, are we hiding something? Why not? I mean, we are providing things honest in the sight of all men. So what do we care? I mean, honestly, if you want to see the books, go ask Todd. He'll show you the books. Nobody cares. If you're visiting our church and want to see the books, just ask. Well, we're not trying to hide anything. Now, the truth is, it may not be your, your business, but what do we care? Right? When you're being honest, then it doesn't matter. And so if we're living our lives this way, it makes it very easy and it elevates Jesus Christ. It's that good work. Are we done here yet? If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with most of your relatives. <laughs> Not what it says, right? Man, he just had to put this verse in there, didn't he? But if you want to elevate Jesus Christ to men who are watching, and believe it or not, they are watching. The world is watching. And someone reminded me just before the service that Siri is listening, right? All the time. You do know that, right? If you've got one of those machines, if you've got an Amazon Dot, or if you've got an iPhone, they're always listening. So Alexa, she knows what you like to eat because you were talking to your wife about it just the other day. And whether you know this or not, all of a sudden when you get on Facebook, those ads start popping up for your favorite restaurant. How did she know? Because she's always listening. Always. So, you know, we've got to be careful. We're supposed to be living peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Is that the end of it there? So there we go. One last thing. I'm maybe the only one. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals. Now, by the way, this is not, listen to what this is saying. What are the coals of fire that are being spoken of here? Shame? Any other ideas? Shame is one. Guilt. I'm going to use this word because it helps me a little better. Conviction. Now listen, here's not the idea. Yes, I have a chance to, I'm going to make you feel so bad for what you just did to me. I'm going to give, here, have something to eat. Here, have something to drink. That's not what the passage is all about, right? It doesn't fit with any of the rest of the passage. The passage is that if we just continue to respond the way God has told us to do, don't give evil for evil, bless those which curse us, if we continue to respond the way God has told us to do, if when our enemy is hungry, we just simply give him food, and when he's thirsty, we give him drink, then what happens is it gives the Holy Spirit of God a chance to use shame and guilt to convict that one of their condition. And we don't do this to shame them or to guilt them. We do it because it's the right thing to do. We do it to elevate Jesus. We do it as a good work. But in so doing, we give God an opportunity to do something for them. And this is it. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So, we didn't get through the passage, but we got through this one verse. 
And it says, as you therefore have opportunity, with every opportunity you're given, do good works. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Do you think the Lord's going to give you an opportunity this week to do something good for somebody? Do you think the Lord would open up an opportunity for you to elevate Jesus Christ by showing forth the character, the love, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to someone in your family, to someone at work, to someone at school? The problem is it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by you and I making a series of good choices. And it starts right now. Lord, prepare my heart and mind to respond in a godly fashion so that men might see the good work and that the Father in heaven might be glorified.